Welcome everyone to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Because you won't find us on Google or Facebook, we respect your privacy and will continue to fight the Silicon Valley censorship. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome everyone, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And we are joined today with Dave Asprey, who has been a previous guest before and actually was going to have interviewed him late last year for his newest book, Superhuman, which is fantastic. But uh, we had schedule conflict and here we are again today. And the reason for this interview, which is this interview was actually intended to occur about three months ago right when the pandemic started going full swing and we didn't really have an alternative but to go just focus on this completely and you've seen the quality of the interviews that I've done before and it's not that Dave's this isn't going to be great but it wasn't as timely for what was going on in, in the culture so um but this this they actually has some great applicability. So we we finally were able to squeeze Dave, and I kicked him back like three times for Judy Mikovits and Robert Kennedy and and some ozone therapy. So anyway, he's he's I'm gracious keeping, enough. I'm keeping good company, Joe. I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't mind making space for people like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I'm glad to have him here because we're the original intention for this discussion was uh, generated because. Richard Veach, who is a pioneer in ketone therapy, really the grandfather of them all, passed away, and I believe it was earlier this year. Um, and I thought it was a tribute. To, I never had an opportunity to interview him. Dave did, uh, but I never yeah. did. And uh, he, he was an enormous brainiac on this. And just to give you a history of his lineage, um, he is an MD, trained at Harvard, and then he went to Oxford because he was really interested in biochemistry. So he trained with Krebs, the guy who invented the Krebs cycles, or what the Krebs cycle was named for. You know, this is the, the mitochondrial energy respiration cycle that occurs to generate energy. And Krebs trained with Otto Warburg, the greatest biochemist of the 20th century. So there's a great lineage there. And uh, so it was a, it was a major... Uh, loss and you know actually one i really cherish dave because we have share the same passion which is yeah. is using biohacking to extend our lifespan and he's got a, a really noble goal of reaching a 180 and you know and you know, a lot of people criticize him for it but i but it's noble and i think you know well we need this type of science so now the the interesting component we're going to talk about ketones today is that it, it definitely ties into COVID, and in fact I don't think I shared this with you, Dave, but there's a video of a, uh, I have of a patient who with, with COVID-19 or COVID-1984, there's some more fun <laughs> saying it, <laughs> um, who was a full-blown, full I mean, she wasn't on a uh, ventilator, but she was in a, had serious disease and they, she, gave, she was given the ketone esters and she just radically improved and that'll, that'll be in this interview. Uh, not in this video, but in the, the article that accompanies it. So, right. um, 
we're going to show that. And it's just, so I want us to dialogue about the science of it. So sure. why don't you, that's a long preface and I'm sorry, but I'm going to let you do most of the talking after this and just want, and I'll prompt you for some different pathways and stuff, but uh, why don't you share your experience with ketones and perhaps speech and, and enlighten us? Sure. Uh, as far as, uh, as I can tell, uh, and a few others have told me this, uh, my interview with Veach was the last interview that he did. A uh, very uh, unusual guy and very uh, outspoken and just willing to say what he thought was true as a, as a hardcore rational scientist, something I really respected about him. So he wasn't going to play any games. And he truly believes that, that ketones have an amazing power uh, in, in an antioxidant way. Um, that matches my experience. Mm -hmm. um, I first played with ketosis when I weighed 300 pounds and I just did my weigh this morning. I have 205 pounds and 10.3% body fat and I'm pushing 50. Uh, so I feel like having come back from that, these ketones must be doing something or another, but I'm not. Well, it's part of the process. Right it's not the whole thing. It's not the whole yeah. thing. Oh, it's certainly not just ketones uh, because yeah. I lost 50 of my 100 pounds on a ketogenic diet back in the 90s called the Atkins diet. Mm -hmm. So we've been playing around with ketones for a while, but you could lose half your weight, but then you get stuck because it's, it's more complex than just that. But as I started digging in on uh, the mitochondrial biology, particularly in the brain, we start realizing that inflammation, wherever it happens in the body, happens when your cells, your mitochondria's job is to take air and food and convert them into energy. And if it does a complete job of that, you stay lean, you don't get inflammation, and you have lots of energy. And if parts of that complex process that Veach worked with Hans Krebs on, the Krebs cycle, parts of it are broken, you end up getting electrons that don't go where they're supposed to go, and you end up with inflammation. And there's all sorts of signals of, of inflammation, these inflammatory cytokines throughout the body. And what I heard from Veach during his interview that was really, really interesting is he talked about exposing rats to high doses of radiation. And mm -hmm. these cause a, a large inflammatory cytokine storm. So you get inflammation. Uh, ionizing radiation. Ionizing radiation. Thank you. Like uh, x-rays. X-rays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he didn't put him in a, uh, you know, in a microwave. Yeah, it's a cell phone, cell phone cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not talking about EMF. Um, the well, they're all, both EMFs, but this is ionizing versus non-ionizing. Exactly. Um, what, what that would normally do is kill the, the rats. And when they had ketones present, and his favorite form was something called ketone ester, um, that it protected the rats. And it's interesting because I did look, in fact, I, my company, Bulletproof, uh, synthesized a ketone ester. Oh, geez, now it must have been six, seven years ago but it was going to cost them like $30,000 a kilogram to make it so that's not commercially viable. And then um, and today there are, there's one company that makes ketone esters that are very expensive uh, and may put a pretty strong load on the liver. Uh, however, it is a way to raise ketones dramatically. And in my work, uh, multiple New York Times bestsellers on, uh, on this kind of thing, not just ketogenic diets, we know you can raise ketones by going on a zero sugar, very low carb, moderate protein diet. And Dr. Mercola, you've, you've done a lot about that. Um, we know that you can raise ketones using these beta hydroxybutyrate salts known as exogenous ketones. So you can take an ester, which has a liver load, but raises the levels the most and is most expensive. You can take a salt, 
which Veach in the interview said straight up, these cause mitochondrial harm. So he was opposed to the salts. And I believe he has a point there. It's the reason that I never sold uh, a ketone salt. Although if I had COVID, I would be more than happy to take particularly a magnesium salt um, just to raise the ketones. And then there's the way that I pioneered and the way that I still prefer, which is using certain types of MCT oil. The one I make is called Brain Octane. Um, but the idea there is one type of MCT, the C8 MCT, also will turn into beta-hydroxybutyrate. So if you have enough of any of these three forms of ketone-generating things in the body, what happens is those ketones come in, and then the cell says, oh, wait, I could use a unit of oxygen and a unit of glucose or a unit of ketone. And when it uses the ketone, it gets more electricity out of it than it would from the sugar. And your neurons love this. Your heart cells love this. And it, it tends to wake you up. It tends to make you feel good. And if you've heard of you know, Bulletproof Coffee, which I'm very well known for, one of the reasons, there's about six of them that it works, it's because when you put that C8 MCT, the brain octane oil in there, um, it gives you ketones so that when your brain is in the state of working, it works. From the perspective of COVID, well, anything that raises your ketone levels is probably going to be good for you. And one of the magic things that raises ketones is eight hours of fasting, that's called sleeping, plus the amount of caffeine that's in two small cups of coffee is shown to double ketone production. So what I'd propose is if you're feeling crappy from this uh, and you have uh, the coronavirus or specifically uh, COVID-19, you probably should have some coffee. <laughs> And you probably should have whatever ketones you can possibly get uh, from any of those forms uh, because it's anti-inflammatory and because it can help your cells with energy. And it's very interesting that when you do that, it will likely turn down this inflammatory, uh, uh, call it a, a snowball effect that happens. And even when people are saying, oh, we're going into sepsis and things like that, uh, it can be prevented by restoring ATP levels, NAD levels, and something called acetylcoenzyme A. Uh, so what we're trying to do there is get in before the damage happens. And Joe, we can talk some more about uh, some of the other, uh, the other mechanisms of where ketones are, are protective. Uh, I'd love to talk about hypoxia if that fits in for where you're going with this. Yeah, sure. No, I'd like to finish up on this first because there's a lot of okay. loose ones there. Uh, and I believe that there's two companies that make the esters. It's human and ketone aid. Uh, oh, is ketone aid using the ester now? Okay. Oh, they will use it from the beginning as far as I understand. And I, uh, and I, and I believe okay. that is the company that Beach worked with. Now, oh yeah, they okay. They licensed it to human. I I, I actually spoke with Ketone Aid um, about that. The problem was the flavor and the cost, yeah. and it's still very expensive. But they're comparable. And, it's not that, yeah. not that bad. So, and I, I they're agree. comparable to salts. Have they come down? Last time I looked, it was like thirty five dollars a dose. Well, it depends on your dose, and oh, okay. uh, they are, you know, per the to get the equivalent dose that's going to raise your ketone levels. And, and you know, comparing apples to apples, it's about the same, okay. uh, and it's it clearly far more effective. And and uh, now there's other reasons that we want to explore this because, as you alluded to, Reach shared his work with ionizing radiation. So there are there are scenarios outside of COVID nineteen because most people watching this are not metabolically inflexible and they're not going to come down with COVID nineteen. <laughs> so 
yeah. So, but but most of us are going to have an exposure to flying in the at thirty five thousand feet where there's ionizing radiation, usually gamma rays, mm-hmm. and then CT scans, which are the most pernicious diagnostic test with ionizing radiation. And uh, even if you don't use a regular CT scan, there's a CT three D cone beam where you're going to dental X-ray, which is just fantastic. And, and there's another area where you can apply these same principles and it'll work. So uh, I, w- I want to dive a little bit deeper into the science too, because uh, one of Beach's, Dr. Beach's colleagues was William Curtis, who is a Parkinson's patient right. and has been with him for a, a long number of years. And he's actually translated a lot of his stuff. And it was really very kind man and, and knows, knows his molecular biology. And, and, and he's, he sh- shared some, uh, PowerPoints with me in, in a paper that he wrote on this. It helps elucidate it. And he actually, Bill is probably the guy that helped me understand the the way that the ketones work. Because it was shocking to me what when I first heard what you just said, which is a few years ago. I it, it made no sense to me that ketones could reduce ionizing radiation stress. I mean, I was just shocked. Yeah. And it, it's and I, I was so surprised yeah, on that interview. <laughs> he, yeah. I almost didn't want to believe him. But it's very hard to say Veach doesn't know what he's talking about when you talk to him in person. <laughs> he, his, his research career is, is impeccable. And just as a human being, he knows what he's talking about. You, you and I both have the ability to spot someone who's you know, borrowed some content and is parroting it and someone who just knows it. Uh, he did the work. And yeah. I, I got to give him bones for that. And uh, I absolutely can tell you I will have my ketone levels high if I have ionizing radiation. Yes. Uh, you and I both have talked about that in a previous interview, either on my show or yours, uh, about well, what we do when we fly. <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's, let's go off on that tangent before we go back to the bio, molecular biology, because I think it's interesting to at least expose it and for some people who want to go deeper into science, but you did a great lay explanation of that. So uh, you'd mentioned the MCT oils, and I couldn't agree more. We have our own ver- version yeah. of caprylic acid, which is C8. and I'm, how much do you take a day? Um, I do about a tablespoon or two uh, spread out throughout the day. Okay. So you, you might be interested to know that it's my primary source of calories. I'm taking 14 tablespoons a day. You, you know, you're the second highest. I, I once had a client <laughs> who was in his, uh, he was 20. He was doing 20 to 24 tablespoons a day of the C8. You know, the, in this case, it was the Bulletproof stuff. And he had gotten his PhD before he was 21. He was a black belt in two martial arts, had started his first company. I, I'm not even at, at a certain point, I, I said, look, man, I, I've never said this to a client before. I can't help you. Every single technology I know of, you have done. Every single hack I've ever wow. shared, you have followed it, you've done it. And you know, he, he was in a- Is he still doing it? Uh, still doing? I haven't talked to him in a few years, but he's probably already- this He's guy probably, his consciousness has probably expanded to the entire planetary newsphere at this point. I mean, one, yeah. one of those amazing people. But so you're at 14 a day. I have gone up to that level, but I found I, I didn't, I, I just don't need it as much as I used to. I, I feel like I just need well, less energy these days. I'm using it by default because I want to keep my carbs low and I have kidney yeah. challenges. So I can't really have a lot of pro, uh, protein. So I, that right. you can only have fat. So what fats? I mean, it's the cleanest fat that you can get that I, I'm aware of. I believe it, you're has, right on that. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's a major source of calories. Now, with that, that young guy that you were talking about was, hey, that's, that's more than half his calories. I mean, that was oh, yeah. 2,000 to 2,400 calories because it's 100 calories per tablespoon, which is quite, mm-hmm. a, quite a bit. 
So, I mean, it's, it's a major source of my calories. But anyway, I do that as a, a regular thing. And I, I've noticed that when I add the ketone esters, mm -hmm. I can get my ketone levels almost at six, which is a level that is hard to get even after a week of fasting. Well, the, the interesting thing, and I mean, you've talked about this uh, yeah. on, your, uh, on your show, and, and certainly I, uh, I've mentioned as well, we don't want high blood sugar. So if you get blood sugar up high, it's really right. bad. But people like you and I who are fat adapted, we can pull ketones out of our blood. So at first I used to freak out, you know, back, you know, six, seven years ago, when my first big diet book came out. Like, why is it that new people have ketone levels higher than mine? Like I'm not doing my keto good enough. But the reality is that the more ketosis you practice, the easier it is for you to use the ketones in your blood for energy. Do you know of a protective effect from having very high ketone levels, like higher than you can metabolize quickly? Oh, yes. There's what, what is, we can talk about those mechanisms. There's yeah, let's talk about that. That'd be interesting because yeah, yeah. I, I haven't well, seen but, super clear but, science but, on it. I've seen theories, but. Oh, no, no. The, and Beach is actually the one that elaborated the science, which is okay. one of the reasons I wanted to have this, this discussion. So um, let's tie it into COVID-19. In COVID-19, everyone, most everyone I'm sure has heard has studied this or looked at it or you know, watch the TV or videos is talk. You've heard about the cytokine storm, yes. and which essentially results in people dying and uh, essentially causes increased inflammation and uh, a collection of debris in the, the alveoli in the cells, which, which progresses from pneumonia to acute respiratory distress syndrome, typically impairing the ability to breathe and leading to putting on a ventilator, which is like the prescription of death. And we can yes. talk about a few alternatives and actually I, I we talk about hyperbaric and some of the new studies that just came out like this week on it. But uh, so that's the, the process, the cytokine storm, this, this essentially, which results from an activation of a transcription factor called the NRLP3 inflammasome, which results in the release of others of these cytokines, you know, which are signaling molecules like interleukin-6, TNF-alpha, NF-kappa-B, and uh, IL-1, IL-18. So these, are, these all contribute to radical inflammation. And so how do you compensate for them? Well, one of the ways you compensate for them is, is a molecule called NADPH. That's yes. one of the primary ways why the ketone works because the ketones radically upregulate NADPH. And NADPH is the battery of your cell, the reservoir of electrons that actually cause the endogenous antioxidants that you have on board to be recharged so they can continue to work and mitigate against the, the free radical damage that resulting from all this oxidative stress. Okay. That's so one just, of the that, mechanisms. And then there's a few others too, which we can go into. Um, I, I think it, it's worth, uh, so the, the NADPH thing is something that you can also handle by taking NAD directly, right? Um, not really. Actually, the, it's interesting because the mechanism of ketones and NAD are separate. They're synergistic, but they're independent. Um, as far as I understand. And okay. that, that's going to Bill Curtis, who, who, who is kind of like Veach's right-hand man. He really knew the science. I mean, I've never caught him in anything that was incorrect. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, him. It, all, all of the senior scientific, uh, uh, you know, most powerful people, you you can there's always a hit rate right and yeah, and the yeah. ones who are are just spot on and and so and so deep on it are the ones that we want to get the most information from so I I would definitely respect him a lot like like you Joe you you tend to be ahead of the curve 
um, you'll say some things and then five years later, everyone else says, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That's the way it is. No, you've, yeah. but you've been doing that for a while, like 25 years. I'm used years, to it. So. It gets frustrating still. You know, like my yeah. last book was a, a flop yeah. primarily because it was five years ahead of its time and people aren't good or 10 years. I don't know whenever they'll wake up, but you know, they don't understand EMS at this point. It, it is, to. it's really frustrating. And it's like, we have to pick our battles. And uh, it, it's been a challenge for me as well, because you're saying, wow, this really matters, but it's, you know, it's not the one I'm going to focus on yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I admire you for you know, coming out there and pushing on things that matter, because it, it's all, it's all tied together. And one of the things that I've learned is that one of the most protective long-term things that you can do is you can have some ketones present in the body all mm -hmm. the time. And then you can be situationally aware and you could say, you know what, I'm going to climb Mount Everest. And it's amazing how many people have sent me photos uh, from base camp of bulletproof coffee or brain octane oil or ketones or some of the mitochondrial stimulants. Um, and I, I have a weird personal health background because I've had chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, and one of the symptoms of that is something called pseudo hypoxia. Um, this is where you get these these pain points from fibromyalgia, where because of micro blood circulation, you have parts of your body that don't have enough oxygen, uh, and the mitochondria aren't working very well. And I've learned the things that cause your cells to work well in a low oxygen environment, and then applied them when I got so healthy that I could go to Annapurna Base Camp, I could go to the Himalayas uh, and the Andes and learn meditation from you know, people who live at high altitude and things like that. Uh, and it got... Uh, it got really interesting because it turns out almost everything that makes your mitochondria work better, especially ketones, as the, at the very top of the list, almost all of them reduce or eliminate these terrible mountain altitude sickness problems mm -hmm. that people are used to having. So now I suck on a few of the things that I make. I take a handful of mitochondrial stimulants and I make sure that I have my ketone levels high enough by controlling what I eat. And magically, I can go places that would have been disabling for me when I was younger and I feel good. And it also, means normal I, humans. I can do that. <laughs> uh, something else we should talk about though, Joe, in the context of, of ketones and all is uh, magnesium is just mm -hmm. so terribly important. You and I have both for, uh, for a long time, just been telling people, look, this is one of those, top of the list supplements that you just have to take because it does so mm -hmm. much in the body. Uh, but it turns out that you can't make enough, um, enough of the chemicals that you need to make to fight off a inflammatory cytokine storm if you don't have your magnesium levels high. And you actually won't be able to even have enough ATP because you get calcium dysregulation if you don't have enough magnesium. Uh, so it, to me, one of the things that's terribly important when people are taking ketone esters or ketone salts or MCTs is that you take at least 500 milligrams of, of magnesium and ideally even one or 1.5 grams if it doesn't make you, uh, you know, have a little bit of a problem with your digestion. Uh, magnesium is well known as a laxative too. I couldn't agree more. So what's your favorite uh, form? And, 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 and those doses you described is that, I mean, there's a lot of confusion on magnesium doses because they, there's a, frequently a lack of differentiation of whether it's ionic or elemental versus the combined weight of the salt. Uh, that is a, a very good point. Uh, so you have to look on the label to see how much actual magnesium you're getting versus how much magnesium salt you're getting. Uh, I take uh, magnesium three and eight in the morning, which is the stuff that's active in the brain, uh, because there are studies that show that the peak magnesium 
concentration in your blood is actually at noon. It's a circadian mineral. There's a bunch of other studies that show that if you have it at night, you sleep better. So I take a mixed, <laughs> I, I like to call it magnesium eight. In other words, it's every form of magnesium that ends in eight, including orotate. Um, there's probably no acetate in there, but you know, orotate, citrate, malate. malate. So I'm getting broad spectrum in the yeah. evening and the brain one in the morning. Uh, but frankly, I would say for people, any anyone who's taking something that ends in eight that isn't uh, magnesium oxide, which come, which is basically not very useful for you, um, you're probably better off than nothing. Uh, what's your favorite, Joe? Well, I take the three of those. I take the three and eight, mm -hmm. uh, citrate and the malate. Okay. Uh, occasionally, I play with the glycinate, but that doesn't taste too good. Actually, it doesn't dissolve very well. Which yeah, is you have to take capsules of that. Yeah, it just does not dissolve in water where the, where the citrate dissolves perfectly. Uh, but my but my absolute favorite form is, and it, here's the key in one of the reasons why it's, well, it's only one of the reasons, but it has absolutely no laxative effect no, no matter how high a dose you take. Chloride or what? Nope. Chloride is definitely a laxative, it's, which is really good. It has, actually, it's a pretty good antiviral. I talked to Dr. Tom Levy about that. And yeah. A lot of ancient literature that shows that, in, like a century ago, where they're using high doses of that to treat these infections and these epidemics. But no, I it I take molecular hydrogen tablets, which is essentially metallic magnesium. And once it hits oh, water, it dissociates into ionic elemental magnesium, not a salt, and molecular hydrogen, which Tyler LeBaron, who you know well. Yeah. Uh, did a magnificent lecture on the therapeutic value of molecular hydrogen for COVID-19. He went into all brilliant exposition of the molecular biology of it. But it also liberates 80 milligrams of elemental, elemental. Because if you're taking 500 milligrams of a magnesium salt, you might, be, you might not even be getting 80 milligrams. You might be getting 50 or 30. So that's a hefty dose. And I typically, I'll take four, Meg, I'll take four tablets at once, you know, put it, dissolve them in water and drink it before I go into my hyperbaric chamber. Uh, and that gives me a really good boost. And I'm getting a pretty hefty, hefty dose of magnesium with that. Uh, have you also seen people taking um, the, was it a, a digestive remedy, Maalox, which is magnesium with vinegar to dissociate it? This is a, another old way. Oh, of doing I, that. That, that, that is to, it, it, it's a, Sort of a, uh, a niche niche aspect of magnesium enthusiasts, and it's it basically it's creating uh, a uh, it's 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 not malox, it's uh, magnesium sulfate that they're using, uh, not uh, not the sulfate. It's, it's not Epsom salts. No, it, it's different. No, than no, that. no. It's the one they use for a laxative. It's definitely yeah. not malox. Oh, it's no. not malox. Oh, then uh, I. It's, it's, it comes in a blue bottle. I know I did yeah, it for a, a while. Bottle, but it's not I, I couldn't tell the difference from and what, it. And what I said, this doing, is too much work and it tastes bad. So I'm not doing it. Yeah. It's magnesium carbonate, which is particularly yeah. useful, but I, I played with it for a while. It was just too much hassle factor. Okay. But what about I mean, the magnesium chloride that you spray on your skin? I don't think you're, you know, I'm questionable questioning that. I don't know that the transdermal absorption is that yeah. significant. You're going to need some, but I don't know that's going to be providing. I, a, a large I agree. It's great. It's yeah. great. I mean, it's wonderful. And you can it's, put a small amount in water, but too much can be, can be toxic for you, uh, which is something that, that's really important for people to understand. And I just, I don't see the value of it. Do an Epsom salt bath if you want to get, get it through your, your skin. Yeah. Some people have problems with the sulfates though. You know, that's, yeah, that's a I, fair point. 
a lot of people. So, yeah, actually, I, that's one of the reasons I actually had a uh, float, float tank. And then I found out through some analysis that I was having problems with sulfate. So I had to get rid of the float tank. Oh, you know, I just got rid of my float tank uh, three days ago. No. <laughs> uh, not, not because of that, just because of the ROI. It takes a lot of time to float in there. And I needed the space actually for my daughter. Um, who's 12 is starting her first little company. And so I said, there, that's oh, your, great. that's your room to do that. <laughs> so yeah, excellent. That's wonderful. Uh, but I, I wasn't yeah. using it enough to matter is what that means. I've been up to your place in Vancouver once and got yeah. to visit your lab. It's quite an extensive. Uh, uh, it, uh, it, was, it was, it was a fantastic visit. And, you know, we, we got to, to play with all the toys and talk about all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just have to thank you for, for bringing the keto conversation out in respect to you know, coronavirus and what's going on there at Dr. McCullough, because the, the pathways are relatively well understood around this. And there's, there's so much frustration to me because I, <clears throat> I look, I look at these people, you know, they're going into the hospital, their pulse oximetry says, and I have a little pulse oximeter on my finger right now. You doubtless have lots of those floating around, but mm -hmm. a $30 item. Um, and it tells you what is your blood oxygen levels. Mm -hmm. And mine will come up in a second here or there. It's at 98. It'll probably go to 99 in a minute. And what's going on here is my lungs are working fine and my blood can carry oxygen. When people get COVID and they're not metabolically healthy, then what happens is this could be at 90. And they say, I feel a little bit weird, but oh, they're oh. actually metabolically really broken and their blood is starting to break down from this and they're starting to get the inflammatory cytokine storm. If they had ketones present, if they were able to measure this, if they could block a cytokine storm with any of the herbs that we know about, if they could block iron using uh, vitamin C, which is something you've talked about a lot, they wouldn't be getting the lung damage and they might not even have to go to the hospital. And I, I just wish that, that the knowledge was out there. But when we have you know, authorities saying, well, there's nothing approved or studied for this. Well, what that means is don't do anything until we say, which is a terrible idea. So you could say, I'm going to measure my oxygen levels, go to the hospital if they're low. But even that, I'm saying there's no evidence. Well, at a certain point, well, yeah. there is evidence. Well, let's take a step back, though, and uh, address the primary issue, which is uh, essentially insulin resistance or metabolic inflexibility. Yes. So what would, what would you, because that's the core of why they're having this. Uh, and everyone knows that there are young people dying with this, but almost every one of those young people has this metabolic inflexibility, which consists of uh, usually they're overweight or have high blood pressure. Those are the two most common. They could be diabetic. They could be on cholesterol medications. They could have high tri triglycerides, uh, or they can and or not metabolically inflexible, but have low vitamin D levels, which is another massive issue. So. I'm wondering what percentage of the population do you think are metabolically inflexible? Because I, I have an answer and a reference. I have a very clear reference for this uh, from a guy that we both know. This was one of the backbones of my book on mitochondria in the brain called Headstrong. Okay. Okay. And the data from Frank Schallenberger's studies. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and Frank emailed me yesterday. <laughs> oh, okay. I just interviewed him uh, very recently. I, I appreciate him a lot. Uh, and he said 48% uh, of people under age 40 have early onset mitochondrial dysfunction and everyone over age 40 has it. They call it aging. And so the whole premise of Headstrong was, well, that sucks given that I was one of those people when I was 16 and I had all of this going on and I reversed all of it. What are the pathways and mechanisms? What do we know? And uh, to be walking around at you know, my advanced 48 year old age 
uh, with my level of body fat and not that much exercise uh, and uh, perfect insulin uh, insulin uh, sensitivity and actually a high glucose tolerance should I choose to eat a lot of glucose at the same time uh, with that medical background it's not supposed to be possible but it is possible and since 48% of people were like I was, or maybe not as bad, uh, they're the ones who have to do it. And the number one thing you and I are going to agree on this, uh, I believe, is fasting, even intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Like show your Especially. body you won't die if you don't have the donut. Because yeah, you, can't, you can't fast forever. That's not a permanent solution. You can do time-restricted eating yeah. indefinitely. Yeah, you can do time-restricted eating indefinitely, and you can do intermittent fasting for a while, and I, especially for women, if you're overweight, you might not want to do intermittent fasting every day because you're going to ruin your sleep and your hormones if you do that, but you might do it three days a week, and you might say, I'm not going to eat after dark, and maybe once every couple of weeks, you, don't, you go 24 hours, and you're saying, how could you do that? The, the thought was abhorrent when I was obese because I knew I would starve if I didn't eat six times a day, which is totally wrong. And last week, I have two kids. They're sick, or they're a, a 10 and 12, and you've met them when you were out here, Dr. McCullough. Uh, they both said, along with my wife, Dr. Lana, we said, you know, we're going to fast for 24 hours. So we had dinner, and we didn't eat anything until the next day's dinner. And you know what? The kids handled it like crazy. They said, you know, we're a little bit hungry, but we'll have some water. We're okay. And they played, and they did their farm chores and all that, and it wasn't a big deal. Uh, I like to think, great, I have metabolically flexible kids, but for everyone out there, if you're not doing this kind of a practice, okay, anything that that quickly stresses the cells and then allows them to recover will help with metabolic flexibility. So you could try the cold shower thing that we both talked about, Joe, where you take a cold shower at the end of your shower, let it hit your face and your chest. Now your cells say, oh no, if I can't turn on heat generation really quickly, I guess I'm inadequate and then I'll have to refresh and rebuild. That's one way of helping. Getting quality sleep is another way of helping. And uh, if you're going to exercise, which I recommend you do, but you might not have a lot of space to do, very brief, very intense exercise can make a difference. I'm talking 20 seconds of the craziest thing you can do twice in seven minutes and nothing else will outperform a 45-minute steady-state cardio workout, according to research from the University of Colorado. So all of those things help there, but if you have some ketones present when you're doing them, I think you're going to benefit more for all of those. Do you agree with that last statement? Oh, absolutely. I don't agree with your initial statement, though, uh, Uh, quoting from uh, Schallenberger. You don't? don't Okay. No, I don't. What do you think it is? Well, I mean, he's using him as a reference, but I'm talking about actually more peer-reviewed Oh, pure even, okay. Stuff. So uh, I think it's, and this is old data because it was the NHANES data, which I'm sure you're familiar with. It's, oh, yeah. it's commonly recognized in nutritional research and it was compiled from 2010 to 2016. And they found that 88% of the US population they sampled were metabolically inflexible. The entire As measured by blood sugar levels or what were Well, there's a variety of different parameters. Uh, one was uh, insulin, uh, diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, uh, tri- elevated triglycerides, or they were taking uh, cholesterol medication. So any of those, or if their weight was elevated. So any of those criteria puts, puts it up. And that was old data. So it's probably 90%, nine out of 10 people. And I think if you're old, I mean, at my age, I'm 60, almost 66. I, I, I maybe have an element of mitochondrial dysfunction, but I think they're pretty darn good, especially when we're looking at some of these other, I mean, we do all these biohacks and there's, we can they talk work. about 
a new biohack I've got that's just going to blow your mind that I don't think you've heard of. Oh, wow. uh, there, are, there aren't many of those. I'm excited to hear no, this. One. This, is, this is from a pharmacologist out of Cornell. So I just got to share this with you. But uh, so I, I think that's the issue. But uh, the, the, it, it it's may include resistance and everything you described addresses that. I, I'm yes. particularly fond of the time restricted eating is one of the most potent, simplest and least expensive strategies. Uh, cold waters are good as can be integrated with sauna therapy, Correct. which is another thing. So yes. Both of those. And, you know, the exercise is key. So you do all those things and, and you essentially develop metabolic flexibility, the ability to burn fat and generate ketones, which is how you know if you're metabolically flexible. I mean, there's sophisticated lab studies that you could do, but that's probably the easiest. Just prick your finger, measure, do a blood test and see if you've got ketones. I mean, that's a pretty simple test and not very expensive. What's the minimum ketone level that you consider acceptable? Well, traditionally it's 0.5, but some people say maybe even 0.3. Uh, but, you know, the show is, I mean, if it's below 0.3, it's, it's questionable whether you're actually in ketosis I, at that particular point. It doesn't mean you're not metabolically flexible. It's just maybe you had a bunch of carbs because you're carb reloading and you're, you know, you're get preparing for an event or something. So you yeah. can transition, you can cycle in and out. You don't have to be in ketosis all the time. In fact, cycling in and out appears to be healthiest from all the, the work I've done. And I support 0.48, which I just call 0.5. There were two big studies. Um, one said 0.38, and that was to reset CCK, which is a hunger mm -hmm. hormone. Yeah. And one was 0.48 to reset uh, ghrelin, uh, which is a, a hunger hormone. So if, as long as you're above 0.5, you're getting some metabolic benefits. But if you're flying into the middle of an atomic reactor, uh, you probably want to be closer to like, Or 10. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably do 100, 100 mLs of ketone esters at that point. Uh, fair uh, point. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty uncommon where I'm below one any yeah. time of the day. But just because I, because I, t I take se seven ounces of, of MCT oil, which is... Uh, That'll keep you. Uh, that'll keep you going. I mean, that that is so much energy. Um, what about you know these these plant based compounds? I I've looked very heavily at at suppressing IL six, which is important mm -hmm. in the context of coronavirus. Uh, not just this one coronavirus, but in terms of all of them. Uh, and Andrographis stands out really well, but so does oregano, uh, bay leaf, uh, rosemary, uh, green tea. Uh, there's, you know, so many different things uh, that that are shown in studies to help with that those that specific cytokine, and if you're getting so much of your of your calories from even MCTs, um, are you taking supplements then to get your nutritional intake, or are you relying uh, on veggies? Well, I don't have much vegetables. I'm more of a carnivore-ish type yeah. person now. But they're talking to Paul Saldino. He's he's influenced a lot of my thinking in this area. And, uh, you know, the, I, I'm concerned about the law of unintended consequences so mm -hmm. that you can target those nutritional supplements when you need them. And, and you know, they, they can be very useful. In fact, almost miraculous. But if you're going to take them regularly, I think that can be highly problematic uh, because you it's not cycle them. Yeah. And then how do you know when to cycle them? So, I mean, I try to, you know, I'm sort of in a minimalist mode, but I do take a fair amount of supplements and molecular hydrogen being my favorite. And I don't know that you would qualify MCT oil as a supplement. I consider it more of a food. Um, 
but depends uh, on what you put on the label. You're allowed to call it either one, <laughs> but not both. That would be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, or making claims on it. So exactly. Yeah. So, but it's a powerful, powerful tool, and, and I, I, I to do it because I, you know, I, because I'm concerned about degeneration in my brain, as anyone who started approaching their 70s would be, and I do a lot of things to address that, and I think. You know, just knowing, I mean, I was doing coconut oil initially, but then the, the, the evidence is so profoundly powerful that, that the caprylic acid is, is like literally 10 to 100 times as, it, as It's the best part of coconut oil. I, I don't yeah. even like the taste of coconut oil anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, it's just yeah, not so necessary. That's the way, so. And it's, it, the caprylic acid is, it's essentially flavorless. You know, there's no, it, it just, you don't taste it. it. It's not hard to take down. So, I mean, it's in my salad dressing. It's in my coffee. It, it's, I sprinkle it on whatever I'm eating. And yeah. even if it's carbs, I sprinkle it on there. And you know what? I'm less hungry. Um, the the side it, effects not, are, put, are interesting. I put it on my main source of carbs, which is probably one of the cleanest grains, millet. I put, it, yeah. I put, I put three ounces of <laughs> MC2 oil in the, in the millet. And a little salt. Oh, it's in some egg whites. Oh, it's just, oh, it's like, it's my treat of the day. And you're, you're, you're happy to get it. It's, yeah. it's amazing when you give your body the kind of fat that it wants. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm with you there. And the side effect of having these ketones raised is uh, it, it's big. Yeah. Um, so the other things that okay. ketones do getting back to the mechanism yeah. is it, it's, it's uh, a histone deacetylase inhibitor. Yes. You know, it's an HDAC inhibitor, which has profound implications uh, metabolically uh, that are typically beneficial and essentially radically reducing inflammatory consequences like these cytokine, cytokine storms. And then it also activates NRF2 and FOXO3, which are other transcription pathways that improve, decrease oxidative stress through increasing endogenous antioxidants and just, just radically pushing everything in the right direction. So it's just, it's just so hard to not do well when you have key elevated ketones. <laughs> They're like it, so incredible. It's true. And, and the, the trick now is we've got millions of people who are stuck at home and a lot of them saying, oh, I can't afford any of this stuff. It's too much. But end of the day, you are so much less hungry. And we're talking about skipping meals that it is cost effective to put 100 calories of MCTs into your diet every day, even if you're on a pretty restricted diet, because it does so much good stuff for you. And it... Uh, replaces some other oil you were going to pay for, and it makes you not hungry. Uh, so I, I'm advising people, you know, the more soluble fiber and the more MCTs you can take right now, uh, the better off you're going to be. And then, of yeah. course, avoid the industrial meats and the fried stuff and the bad oils. And if yeah. you can do that mostly, um, your, your path through this pandemic and the illness will be very different than if you don't do that. And, of course, yeah, you have so to exercise and all that. Let me just make one comment that we can go to the oxygen component because that's really important too, yeah. actually for mitochondria, is that uh, I, I neglected to mention and you reminded me that that is a magnificent tool to help people with the trans transition because those who, the 90% of people who are eating 12 hours or more a day, 90% of the public, just, you know, the same percentage is just really those are metabolically inflexible. So as they transition down to a time-restricted eating windows of just eight hours, that's a four-hour drop they'll get hungry because they can't might generate ketones for fuel. Well, they can take the MCT oil and that'll help. That little energy will come back and it really facilitates that transition. It's a, it's a perfect tool for it. You gotta be crazy not to use it. 
It's so yeah. That, that, as, that, as a transition, because you're not hungry, and that lets you not feel like you're going to die when someone waves a muffin yeah, at you. Or worse, you're at home. You have a fridge full of probably junk food, and it's just calling to you. And and if it yeah. stops calling to you because you've had some MCT oil for breakfast, then you didn't have your snack in the morning, and suddenly maybe it's a different day. Yeah. So. The other tool, which is we were, you were talking about the oxygen, is uh, hyperbaric oxygen, which is an amazing tool. And yeah. uh, just earlier this week, I, I uh, was forwarded a presentation by a group of physicians in Louisiana. As far as I know, this is the first compilation of the use of hyperbaric oxygen therapy uh, for the treatment of COVID-19. It's a small hospital in Louisiana. Who made who had a pretty large hyperbaric center? They had six uh, chambers, wow. and it was actually in the hospital. And the uh, they had good relationship with the hospital. They were even on their board, and they be, they made the decision proactively to seek to use that as an alternative to ventilators. So they had no patients go on ventilators when they got sick enough that they would have. They put them in the hyperbaric chamber, and they and they justify it through, through compassionate use. Was the, the legal loophole they got through that, and it, it, the, they only did this like three weeks ago, and they treated eleven patients and hundred percent got better. Interestingly, every one of those patients had all the comorbidity factors. You know, they were out, they were typically elderly and were overweight, uh, African American, meaning they had dark skin and low vitamin D levels. Uh, but they all improved, which is interesting. So, you know, the, some of the herbs you mentioned and even hyperbaric, they're useful. They can save their life, but that's not yeah. treating the cause. It's not treating the cause. You, want, it, you don't want to mix those up. It's not treating the cause at all. And the, the whole idea of, of flattening the curve is such a, a cowardly low-end goal. What do you really think? <laughs> the goal ought to be to lower the curve because those of us who do math understand that if you flatten the curve, it's the same number of people who get sick. We just, you got sick later, so we could have more doctors for you. But it, what I want is I want fewer people to get sick or at least know they got sick, right? So at that point, we've taken the load off the medical system, which is a, an important goal. Uh, but we also then didn't have the chance of dying. We lowered the overall death rate. And you do that through prevention. And, and that's been entirely missing from the entire you know, two point whatever trillion dollar national strategy, um, which is, is astounding to me. And when you look at what's really going on inside the body, there is systemic hypoxia. Mm -hmm. um, we have three different studies that show that hemoglobin is pulled apart and iron comes out using three different methodologies, which, which is very fascinating. And then there's all the field reports of people saying, why are my patients hypoxic? And their lungs are still working. So then doctors see patients who are hypoxic because they cannot carry blood through their hemoglobin. And they have all the symptoms of hypoxia. Let's see, heart damage, brain damage, neurological symptoms, loss of smell and taste. Any high altitude mountaineer like me will tell you you can't taste your food at high altitude. There's a reason for that. Uh, and they're also seeing those red spots on their feet, which are furthest from the heart and get the lowest amount of oxygen. So every symptom that has been documented from COVID is hypoxic related, except for damage to the lungs, which is iron related from all the free iron uh, from what's going on inside the damage to the, uh, to the hemoglobin. So what do we end up with when you put all that stuff together? You have a person who's hypoxic and no matter what you do to their lungs, it doesn't matter because their blood doesn't carry oxygen well. So 
How would you address that? Stick them in a hyperbaric chamber. When you do that, and there is one, I keep pointing because there's one right behind my screen. I do hyperbaric regularly. Um, you've seen it, Joe, and you're up here. And what hyperbaric does, it forces oxygen into the cells without hemoglobin being required. And when you do that, the cells that are struggling as the bone marrow works to make more red blood cells. By the way, we have data that COVID makes bone marrow make more blood cells. Like, like, like we know that there's biological markers of that. So what's happening there is during that time, you can either take the damage. Some of it is allegedly permanent, you know, the neurological stuff. Or you could support these people by saying, you know, today you're going to get an hour in a hyperbaric chamber. Oh, and by the way, we're short on chambers. You're going in with a friend. <laughs> you can fit two people in those things. But if this keeps you off a ventilator where there's an 88% chance of dying, you should be super happy about it. And uh, given that these chambers start at $4,000 uh, and they have other uses for things like traumatic brain injuries, which are an epidemic, yeah. as well as metabolic problems and cancer, and et cetera, et cetera, this ought to be something every hospital has. And they do have it, and it's usually well, illegal to use it. There, there's some controversy on this because there's there, there's no hospital grade system that costs four thousand. They're closer to no. two hundred thousand. And actually, I, I upgraded my system. I have a hospital grade system now, a hard shell. Oh, those are the hard sided hundred thousand dollar two and a half atmosphere well, systems. Well, one fifty or so, two hundred. But uh, it's an acrylic okay. chamber, typically made by Seacrest, and mm -hmm. uh, you know they they really were. I mean, the, it's that's, a big that's difference. That's like the Bentley you know, of them. The, yeah, and that's what they were using this, uh, in this Louisiana hospital. They had four, uh, six Seacrest chambers. So, and, and interestingly, this I have a link. On, we're gonna have a link doing an article on it. And uh, the uh, they have a comprehensive uh, disinfection protocol that they follow. So it's not, you know, it you you wouldn't be putting multiple people into the same chamber. I mean, they put them in. They've got all these personal protection equipment on for all their staff, and they did their housekeeping follow them. And oh yeah, it's a. It's a massive chore, and they're venting out to the the chamber up into the roof of the hospital. So they they, they it was pretty impressive what they did. That is uh, very solid hospital work, and that's how you would yeah. do it ideally. Yeah. Uh, when I'm looking at these, uh, you know, these fortunately it seems like mostly untrue uh, forecasts of you know bodies stacking up because we don't have enough ventilators. I will tell you, <laughs> I, would, I would share a small hyperbaric chamber with two unhealthy, infectious people before I would be on a ventilator uh, because the medical outcomes are more likely to be in my favor that way. This is my personal. Yeah, well, you would never be. You and I would never be on a ventilator from that at all because we, we don't have the underlying no. physiological pathology that would predispose us yeah. to that. And everyone watching this could make that same claim if they implement the things you mentioned. You know, anyone who's followed your work for a while, Joe, or mine, uh, or a lot of the functional medicine world, uh, we don't all agree on everything, but there's so much directionality there. It's not that hard. Uh, and mm -hmm. you do it, and you just reduce your likelihood of, of being one of the people who gets killed by insert name of big killer. Okay, fine. Coronavirus, heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancer. Cancer. In fact, those are my superhuman, my, my, how do you live to 180? Well, first dodge those four bullets, right? <laughs> and then yeah. do the rest. The basic, the basic. Yeah, you have to not get cancer to live to 180. So how would you do that? And then people say, well, there's no proof that that prevents cancer. And saying, well, of course there's proof it prevents cancer because here's what we know about cancer and here's how we're cutting that off. So um, the, the idea that, okay, maybe you and I are both completely wrong, but anyone listening to this can try what we're talking about and then see if they feel better. 
right? If you have more energy at the end of the day, it was worth it. And, and if everything else we're saying is completely wrong, you still win. And, and for me, that's, that's the funny part of this. Like, like there's no rational argument against this. And you'll see, you know, these talking heads on TV saying, well, I have a medical degree and I've spent 40 years studying how to use drugs to treat diseases. And there are no drugs that we have yet proven to treat the disease. Therefore you will sit there and eat pizza. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Because there's this whole body of knowledge and you don't have to do everything you and I talked about. You don't have to be able to spell HDAC inhibitor. Uh, what we can tell you is, you know, use some MCT oil, get enough sleep, don't eat after it's dark, occasionally just intermittent fasting, and maybe you'll just be hard to kill from any bad disease, and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm curious as to how you've been faring uh, with the pandemic and travel restriction, and maybe you can share a little bit about that and what's been your biggest disappointment, and I'll share my biggest disappointment as a result of this. Sure. Um, you know, my company, Upgrade Labs uh, in LA, we, we're doing a lot of the technology that allows you to get these advantages. You know, we got closed by the government. So I have uh, more than 50 employees who would love to come back to work and, and can't. And so I, I feel a great uh, deal of, of a duty of obligation to do everything I can for that. Um, our restaurant that serves yeah. the kind of food that I would want to eat uh, is only you know, available. Did you get a loan for the employees from the government? Or? These are what? Did you get a, a payroll loan for them? Uh, a very small one. Um, not, not enough to make it. Actually, no, that company hasn't gotten any. Uh, we applied, but we applied through Wells Fargo. Thanks, guys. Uh, Wells Fargo. <laughs> yeah, Wells Fargo is the bank Evil to never, ever touch. EOS. Evil on yeah. steroids. Yeah, so um, they, they were unable to help us get it. Uh, but if they had, it probably wouldn't have been enough to make a difference for a lot of that. Um, so um, that's been a problem. But from a, a personal perspective, Joe, you've been to my place. I, I chose yeah. 10 years ago to leave Silicon Valley and I live on a 32 acre organic farm. We now have pigs and sheep that weren't there uh, before. But you're moving. Weren't you moving? Um, we have a house uh, in Victoria um, and we plan to move there as soon as it's done being remodeled, but okay. we're keeping the farm. And so okay. right now it feels like every other day I go outside, there's either sunshine or rain. We just had some baby sheep and it's completely normal, uh, which I'm in the vanishingly small number of people who can say that. Um, and that's mostly because Amazon service to the island sucked anyway. <laughs> so it still is hard to get stuff like that. But from a, a travel perspective, I did have to move the bulletproof or the, the, the biohacking conference that I started years ago where you were scheduled to speak. Uh, and that sucks. This is my community. I get a lot of energy from being around smart people and just being around the people who love what we're doing. Uh, so that's scheduled now for July. And I'm, I'm hopeful that that day will hold, but we don't know yet. Uh, thank you, uh, California government. Uh, and I, I believe that people who come to that event are the kind of people who don't really have problems, uh, but we don't want to get other people sick and all of, all of that. So those are my big two, two things. I'm starting to just miss you know, some, some of my friends who live all over the place and who do world-changing yeah. stuff. Like I, I want to come visit you in Florida, Joe, and, and I can't do that yeah, right now. It'd be great. How about you? So my dis biggest dis disappointment ties right into that. It was missing your event. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it had scheduled. That is, without a question, the event I most eagerly anticipate the entire year. And it wasn't – it was held last year. Was, you took a year off the year before. But yeah, it, it, I skipped just learned six months, so much. Yeah. I grow so much. And I, there is no event that I ever attend where the percentage of the people are the healthiest I've ever met. I mean, well, it's just Thank incredible. you, Joe. That, that's and smart. 
It's smart. You know, I learned, wow. I, in fact, it's so good. I don't even go to the presentations. I just hang out in the exhibit hall and talk to everyone because <laughs> there's, I learned so much there from the people, the exhibitors and the, and the, and the attendees. That's the secret of, uh, of conferences. I, I always go to talk to the people, uh, most of the ex- exhibits for the, um, the upgrade labs conference. Um, they're all online. Like we, we, you can get a conference pack. You can learn it all later, but that precious time to be in a community of people and, and that's that's something that I'm I'm really concerned about with the virus is that it's it's hard to go make those community connections and it's actually breaking down communities. And there's also something very odd about wearing a mask because you can't see if someone smiles at you. So you know, every <laughs> smile. And, and you look at kids. If you're nine months old right now and every adult just looks at you with eyes and never smiles, like we are causing harm. Uh, in ways that we haven't yet figured out around uh, trauma that will be unwinding for a long time, not just financial trauma, but um, this idea of you know, everyone has to wear a mask all the time. It isn't medically warranted. Uh, and I think it's affecting core human bonding. What I want to do is I want to go get with our people, Joe, at the, the biohacking conference. Um, it will be in LA in July, we think. Upgradelabs.com uh, is where the, the info is for it. I'll and, be there. <laughs> uh, thank you. And if, you know, but, if but you know what's going to be different? You know. so, Coronavirus is going to have us to wear a mask every time we fly. There's no getting around it. You're going to have to wear a mask when you fly. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I'm going to have a mask with some logo on it, which will be quite fun. <laughs> Are they going to, do, you, do you have a heads up? Are they going to require masks at your event? Uh, no, I don't have a heads up, and uh, I'd like to see them try. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's like i can't imagine anyone at your event that would even be a candidate for for being a covid patient uh we, we do have some people who are cancer survivors or are really working on on reversing insane fatal autoimmune disease type of things but those people know to wear masks yeah, right? yeah. and they really should be wearing a mask anyway but maybe now it's more socially acceptable but i I, I'm very hopeful that our society will very quickly realize you are always subject to getting the flu and dying. It's happened every year. The death rate isn't particularly higher. It's not 10 times higher than a normal year right now. So this was a, a bad year when we do the math and all that stuff. No one's going to say it was good. No one's going to say nothing happened. But no one's going to say, wait a minute, we should destroy every small business and we should never you know, see someone smile at us again as a result of this because that would be paranoid and dumb. Uh, so it's just a question of yeah. how quickly will we figure that out? Yeah, 70 years ago, 19, not 70, 60 years ago, 1957, uh, the uh, Elvis was around and Eisenhower was president. They had this, the Asian flu and it killed 160,000 people. And that's with half the population that we have now. Wow. That's in the U.S. So, yeah, we've had these things before. And you know what? In 57, they did not shut down the whole country. No, amazingly, they didn't, and it worked. And uh, I'm, I'm particularly shocked that they're shutting down parks and things like that. It, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they're saying people That's might not self-isolate. I'm like, guys, it, if you shut down the park, they'll just go do it in someone's house. Like, the people won't socially isolate, won't socially isolate, but preventing children from having access to sunshine in parks, I don't mean play structures, I mean just walking in grass, it's mean. And it's unnecessary, and it's it's beyond the scope of what our government's legally allowed to do in the U.S. So we sometimes need to just say, all right, let's do what uh, uh, Sweden's uh, head doctor did. The people came back and said, 
what should we do? We need more guidance. And he said, your smart people use common sense. And that was literally the guidance. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's our most important piece of advice here. Use common sense. Yeah. Tell them the truth and have them make the informed choices. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of lying to them with propaganda and, and directing them to your own agendas. Uh, there, there are some heinous statements being made uh, at the, the highest levels, you know, saying, well, science says there's no evidence, but there is evidence. There's lots of evidence. And the fact that, that one of the seven forms of evidence is double-blinded clinical trials does not mean that when a, a large number of clinical people treating people out there notice something works, that is a great form of evidence. Another form of evidence is we understand these pathways and A leads to B leads to C. Therefore, C is likely. That is a form of evidence. It doesn't mean it's proof, but it means it's evidence. And for our leaders to say, hold still, die, and lose your businesses and your livelihood while we wait for our, our preferred form of evidence, um, it's fear-based decision-making. It's dysfunctional. And what biohackers and people who are in charge of their bodies says, how do I feel today? Given what we know today, what path do I take today? Given what we know tomorrow, how will I change it? And that's how you navigate through any challenge in your life, whether it's health-wise or not. And that's what the health system took away from me when I weighed 300 pounds. Uh, And that's what they're taking away from millions or hundreds of millions of people right now, which is you can navigate through this as we learn more. But doing nothing until we know everything, that doesn't work. Yeah, and I think the silver lining in this tragic series of events is that it's going to allow us the opportunity to showcase what healthy lifestyles will do to uh, pro- providing essentially immunity to these types of infections and disastrous health consequences. Yeah. And hopefully people will start to wake up and, and recognize that there is something that you can do that doesn't involve taking medications or vaccines. And you know, just building your up your own innate immune system. Yeah. I got to ask one inflammatory question here, Jeff. Sure. Will radical vegans have a higher or lower death rate from coronavirus? Lower than what? <laughs> than the standard of care. <laughs> Clearly, they're lower than the 90% of metabolically inflexible people if they're eating healthy. You know, if they're, I think the, the key central question becomes if they're metabolically flexible, because you can clearly be metabolically flexible being a radical vegan. It's, it's hard, but you can do it. I did it. It's possible to be a keto vegan, but there's about 14 of them in the world. Most, yeah. most of the vegans I've come across are doing uh, you know, a high-carb diet. Um, yeah, so yeah. Eating a you lot. don't have and to. I, I feel for them. I was a raw vegan, a, a very well-educated, I call me a devout vegan for a while, and it, it really harmed my biology, uh, right. which is one of the reasons I, I went in the bulletproof direction. Uh, so I'm, I'm you know, hopeful that the people who think they're doing healthy things um, the coronavirus may help us to see, uh, you know what, your uh, belief system about health didn't work for you in this case. Maybe there's something more uh, to the story. Uh, and and I, I think we'll very quickly flush out the, the people yeah. who, who say they're healthy when they're not. There's 250 pounds over that of healthy grass-fed organic meat in my freezer which I'm so grateful I stocked up on because now, I'm sure if you heard the latest, because of these uh, meat processing plants, I mean, the beef is in, in, they're rationing it now. You can't even get it. 
Yeah. Even Costco is limiting the amount you can get. And that's the industrial beef mostly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have the lambs and the pigs walking around here. And yeah, you got actually, your own. So you're set. That's the well, best. We, we're selling it to the local community. Like I, it's part of my job is to feed, you know, feed my community. Yeah. And so it's, it's at our local uh, organic stores and we're continuing to provide it as long as we can. But the, the challenge here is our food supply. There's only a few companies who are torturing and butchering industrial animals in a way that's unethical and unhealthy. And that's getting spotlighted. And the fact that the workers there are mostly migrant workers living in dormitories, which is why they all get sick, that's also not okay. Like those could be well-paying, safe jobs. And we'd pay a little bit more for meat. We'd eat a little bit less meat, which would be good for us anyway. So it's time to to look hard at our economy. And and so these are the upsides of the virus people haven't looked looked into. And we didn't even talk about ozone therapy. I think that we're going to find out that those of us who have access to ozone therapy had very little to worry about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that'll that'll come back. And we also are, are all noticing that, wait a minute, when you talk about ozone therapy or vitamin C or turmeric and these things, uh, you actually sometimes just get get disappeared from your search results and things like that. And I'm, Imagine uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm amazed because I, I, 20 years of that stuff, some of that stuff saved my life. And, and for any tech company or, you know, authority figure to say, you're not allowed to talk about your own experience and share it with others. Yikes. Those people are not your friends. Yeah. I'm a big fan of ozone. I've got an ozone set up here. I'm sure you have yours. And I've interviewed Absolutely. Dr. Rowan on that, who's a, a leader in, in teaching that to other physicians. I, I just so, interviewed him yesterday. I, I love that. Uh, Jerry, yeah, you're always on the right stuff. You have been since 1997. <laughs> You've always been on the right stuff. So I, uh, well, I, I feel salute like, you. I've got, I've got a good network. So, and I've been around yeah. the block for a few times. So, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I just felt, I mean, that's why I had to delay your episode because I had to get all these people on board to teach people the, 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 who understand natural health, what this is all about and what they need to do to protect themselves and their families. So they don't have to die unnecessarily or suffer. So hey, that, that's no one's one of them. But part you know, of your there's, job. There's another simple strategy I learned from Rob Rowan and Tom Levy, who shared with me, and I had made actually a video on it, is, is the uh, nebulized peroxide therapy. Yes. Uh, in fact, I, I talked with Schallenberger about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's actually the, the physician in the country that started it. Mm-hmm. And I refined my protocol based on his clinical experience. And these, these are things that are, are just so cheap and easy. I actually carry a nebulizer. I'm thinking mine isn't on my desk right now. When I fly, at least when I did fly. Yeah, it's a good idea. Really uh, good idea. And, yeah, and I, I would use either a peroxide or a colloidal silver or glutathione. Yeah, they both work. They both work. Yeah, and then you could just breathe that. And if you, you don't want to get sick when you're flying, I, I most recently did that flying to Dubai. So and that's a long 16-hour flight in the air. So your lungs are moist. Anything Is that your last flight? Yeah, it was my, actually, it was my second to last flight. It was Dubai and then back. And then I did a, a LA Park City for Harry Adelson's a stem cell documentary release, then uh, Florida for a little while, and then back home. Okay. Uh, so when was the last, you have two months uh, at home? Yeah, I've had two months at home and I'm about ready to get on an airplane and go see some friends or go to a conference <laughs> or something. So come on. It's itching to go. So, so what, what, so what is your, I guess, like, so, so you always had these zinger questions you like to ask your guests. So I'd like to return the favor. Uh, I guess, what is your, what is your purpose? What is your main purpose in life? And that's the first question. And then I got another one for you. Uh, well, lately I, I've been working on this a lot. Uh, and for a long time, it's been, 
I don't want people to go through all this stuff that I went through. Yeah, being fat as a kid, uh, having the diseases of aging before you're 30, the arthritis in the knees, uh, the high triglycerides, high risk of stroke and heart attack, cognitive dysfunction, low blood flow to the brain, Lyme disease, toxic mold exposure. That sucked. I spent a million dollars recovering and then going beyond. So it's helping people dodge that bullet. Uh, and, and so that's still a big part of what I do. But I also have learned from the trips to Tibet and all, um, there are altered states, these superhuman states that are documented throughout historical literature and modern neuroscience. My company, 40 Years of Zen, um, that does you know, five-day intensive brain upgrades, it's all about getting people, including me, uh, into these states where uh, you would have to meditate for 40 years to get there or you know, spend a lifetime doing advanced yoga. So I'm, I'm spending more time on that. And I think it's possible to do, this will sound really, really big, Joe, or really crazy, one of the two. I think we can make highly scalable enlightenment. And this idea of enlightenment where people, they figure out how stuff works, right? They feel like they've got it and, and they have control. I think we have the time now where with the right food, the right lifestyle and the right neurotech, like the right science to show us the states so we don't have to just wander around and find them. I think we can make so many people shed their trauma, um, shed the thinking that's not working for them, uh, that we can create a, a whole new level of society where people are, uh, are in control of themselves and how they act, how they behave uh, at the deepest levels and the most intense levels. Uh, without experiencing pain and suffering. So that's what I'm working on now. So highly scalable enlightenment for all humans. Okay. And the infrastructure to make that happen. Yeah, it's, it's the technology, the training, the knowledge, but you can't do it if you eat wrong. Low, okay. low mitochondria equals you can't think at your full power and you just won't be able to do the work it takes. So the second question is, you know, you asked your guest now, is how long do you uh, expect to live? And so you can answer that one. But more importantly, because it's an extra, I think it may be referenced it earlier, uh, and you you publicly say it, so it's not like something you're hiding. But the, the, it's not that you're trying to live forever. It's just that when you have a exceptionally high goal like that, the artifact is that you're going to live really well, and you're not going to be frail and <laughs> incapacitated in the process. Yeah. So I want to, and then so sure. what's your number? Expand on that, and then. How are you going to do that? Because you, you know, technically we really can't get much beyond 120. I mean, it's not yeah. really well documented to do that. So the number 180 came about from 20, or this one a little bit more than 20 years of running an anti-aging nonprofit group based in Palo Alto, California. And I've gotten to know people who are in the field for a very long time. It's why I've been able to interview some of them on my show and become personal friends. And I know we can do 120. So this is the current state of mm -hmm. our technology. And I look back 100 years from today to 1920, we were still fighting World War I with cavalry. They actually had soldiers mounted on horses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think, let's see, Kitty Hawk had just happened right before that. Yeah. So we had just barely like flown 50 feet or something. Uh, we didn't have computers. Uh, we didn't have DNA because we couldn't spell it or know how it was shaped. We didn't understand mitochondria. We didn't have antibiotics. Uh, <laughs> and the list could go on and on and on, not to mention cell phones and the internet. And today, Joe, I have access and you have access and everyone listening today has access to more information than the president of the United States had in 1960. 
in one second, we have more than you could get in a library with microfish and all that kind of stuff. It is crazy. So given all of that, and given that I've, I have the opportunity to go to the labs and see what's happening in this anti-aging world and to talk with, with people like David Sinclair, who are saying, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years and I can finally tell you, we cracked the code of aging. You don't put your academic career at risk until you've done that. And so the behind the scenes people, we're all, we're there. We're within a few years on many, many different pathways. And in, in Superhuman, my book on aging, to me, I write a book when I really want to know something all the way. Uh, there's seven pillars of aging, seven things that make us age. And now we have either current technologies and practices that help you do those that are free or cheap or very expensive. And I did all three of them to try it out. Or uh, we have ones coming that are in the short things, things that are within sight. It, it's not like, oh, we need to invent cold fusion and we'll live forever. It's not, nothing like that. These are achievable things. And we have a hundred more years to do it. So I will put it to you, Joe. If we can't do 50% better than today's best in the next hundred years, it's because we ran out of topsoil or it's because an asteroid hit the planet. Or no, maybe COVID-19. <laughs> Not even a blip. <laughs> That's why the number's real. But the real goal, I'd like to die at a time and by a method of my choosing. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I'm done, I'm done. And I'm totally okay to die on my way to 180 as long as I die feeling good. And if I set my goals, well, I hope I make it to 100. And I know the last 20 years might involve diapers, wheelchairs, tubes, monitors, and not remember my own name. What, am, what unconscious decisions am I going to make along the way? Uh, we know that, that your brain will do what you tell it to do. And there are studies where they take old people and they put them for just a week in a hotel that's outfitted like they were when they were 25, the same TV shows, the same, um, you know, the, the same products and things like that. Uh, John Medina talked on my show about this. They actually physiologically get younger. They act younger. They move differently. Their muscle strength improves. Their brain waves change. So I'm telling myself, I just had my 27% birthday. And I'm sticking with that. And if I'm wrong and I die early, I won't be here for you to make fun of me. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, let's, thank you for sharing that. So if people want to learn more about what you're doing. Obviously, your latest book is Superhuman, but you've got a lot of other good books out there. Uh, probably okay. the Primers of Bulletproof Diet, I would imagine. Yeah, that's, that's the first big book about you know, how to go cycle in and out of this. Uh, my blog's at daveasprey.com. My show is Bulletproof Radio, the podcast, Webby Award-winning for the second time, actually. And uh, Joe, I just have to say thanks. Your, uh, your work has been transformational and you are the original voice of health on the internet. And I say this with great authority, um, having been <laughs> on the internet uh, way back in the day. Yeah, you were, uh, you were definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so thank, no, it's thank you. interesting. Thank you. Thank you for, for acknowledging that. And uh, it's interesting too, because I took my first programming class in 1968 and it was Fortran and COBOL. And the reason I mentioned that is that a lot of people are having problems getting unemployment, mm -hmm. filing their claims and stuff because they're going to the government and guess what program those government pro those government uh, sites are run on. Cobol. Cobol. Yeah. It was written in the fifties and they haven't updated it since then. <laughs> and they can't find, there's like, no one knows Cobol anymore. They got to get these guys out of retirement to repair the damage. That's why they're having to wait weeks before they can get it because they maxed out the capacity and they can't upload the stuff to the cloud. All right. I, I got to show something to you. That's amazing. This is a little bit of 
code called Python. My 10-year-old wrote this wow, by hand. Nice. He's had two weeks of video courses on how to do this. He's written his own video game. And this was, Daddy, can I please go play virtual reality? And he wrote <laughs> the code to ask me that. Python's so, a lot, lot more effective than COBOL. Well, the reason I'm bringing this up, if people are listening to this thing, I don't know what I'm going to do for a living. Go online. You can get online courses on how to learn COBOL. You can be proficient in COBOL in six or eight weeks, even if you're not a good programmer, enough to know what's going on. And you can raise your hand and say, let me work on that. And there's probably a huge amount of work there. So never forget the niche and don't forget learning is free. I didn't pay a nickel for Alan's course and he's actually a competent programmer. Granted, he's 10. Uh, but even if, you're, <laughs> even if you're 50, you got nothing else to do. You can watch Netflix or you can learn a new skill. Yeah. Programming is good for your brain. So just pick up something and do something. And while you're at it, have some ketones because it's easier to learn on ketones too. Yeah. That's a good note to close on. So thanks for everything you've done. And I'm so looking forward. And let me reemphasize that at this point, that as we're recording this, there, it appears at the biohacking conference at LA in the Beverly Hilton will st- is on for July. I'm not sure the specific date, uh, but it's on. Uh, and, and California may nix that, but uh, if, it, if they nix it, are you going to reschedule for later in the yeah, year? Yeah, we'll reschedule okay. uh, for so sure. I'm definitely going. If, whenever it is, I'm going. So yeah, th- I- thank you, Joe. And it, it'll be as soon as we can make it happen. And if you go to UpgradeLabs.com, we have info on the, uh, yeah, on the tickets there. Definitely the go-to events. If you have any interest in what we've talked about, you will, you will be shocked at how really outstanding this event is. I mean, it's because you pay attention to every little detail, even the lights. You change the lights in the hotel. You put in red lights instead of the, you know, so there's not blue light that's salting their eyes. It's just crazy. You uh, pay attention to detail. It's, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be better this year. That's the plan is to always be better and just every little detail I can. And I got to just a quick thing as we're shutting down the hotel, the Beverly Hilton, where we hold it, the general manager actually listens to everything and it is so accommodating to allow us to say, no, we're going to serve proper food. And, mm-hmm. and for me, that's a big thing. I want the people who are there to feel nourished and they do it. And then they, they make the lighting the way it needs to be. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to be able to host anything like that. So Joe, thank you for going. Um, you've been one of my, uh, one of my heroes and one of the guys I've, I've watched what you've been doing for years. Uh, you're always ahead of the curve you're directionally right and you correct yourself as you learn more information and you've done it for decades and uh, you've got my, my uh, just undying respect for that. So thank you. Well, well great. Yeah. It's good to collaborate and I'm really excited that uh, you're doing what you're doing. So hope to see you in person, not too far from now. Count on it.